0: over to Tanzania and begin working we've been in Tanzania for two years now and it doesn't seem like it's been that long I guess for everyone else as we go around to different congregations and tell them about the work uh, to them it seems like well you just left for us it feels like it's been 10 years so uh, living in Africa is different than living in the US and there as as was stated there are unique challenges that go with living in a third world country and so this is a more recent picture of our family I appreciate the opportunity to be able to come here and to tell you about what's been taking place and to give you a little bit of an idea of the work and what God is doing there in Tanzania. Now, where exactly is Tanzania uh, when you're thinking about that? You can see on the map, it's in East Africa. You have Kenya that is to the north, Mozambique is to the south, and you have several other countries that border around Tanzania. And so we live where the red dot is located here on the map that is in front of you in Iringa, Tanzania. And so if you come to visit us, you will fly into Dar es Salaam. To get to Dar es Salaam, you're going to have to take several airplanes. You're going to have to take one from around here and then travel probably to uh, Newark, New Jersey. And then from there, you're going to have to take another plane somewhere to Europe, to Amsterdam, to Switzerland, somewhere. And then that's about nine hours. Then you'll take another nine-hour flight to Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. And once you reach Dar es Salaam, there's two choices to come see us. You can get on a 14-seater plane. And fly about an hour and a half to Iringa, or you can drive about ten hours and come to the inland of Tanzania. Uh, Iringa is in the southern highlands, so it's about five thousand five hundred feet in elevation. So if you're at Dar es Salaam, it's about six foot, uh, six feet above sea level, and so it's pretty hot. And uh, so if you start driving, you're going to go up into the southern highlands, and uh, then you will be in Iringa. And so who oversees the work that we are doing? It's the West End Church of Christ, which is outside of St. Louis and St. Charles, St. Peter's area. And so we're very thankful to be able to work with this congregation. Uh, Brother Kevin Rutherford is the gospel preacher that is laboring there and has been there for many years. And so we're thankful to work with this congregation. Now, what exactly are we doing as we're over there? Well, these are just a few things that are listed above me uh, that we are involved in. Uh, What is church planting? Well, that's just a fancy word for saying that we're going into villages where the church does not exist. And then we're trying to have Bible studies with different individuals, Lord willing, as God brings the increase, we might have three or four, and then they can begin to worship together in that village. And we'll try to send an evangelist or someone there to help them in that worship, but that is exactly what we're talking about when we talk about church planting. We're going into areas where the body of Christ does not exist and trying to work with them. And that is one area or one facet of the work that we are involved in. We have seminars for those that are Christians and non-Christians. We work in translation of Bible materials into the local language, which is Kiswahili. And uh, also we're working in the radio to try to broadcast the Word of God as far as it can go. And uh, we also have a lot, a lot of Bible studies, uh, one-on-one personal Bible studies. And so as we go through the presentation, there's no way to show you all the the different Bible studies that we have. But we have a, a tremendous number of Bible studies. And so, who exactly am I working with? Well, currently, uh, my team consists of Bright Makaboko. Bright is my translator. He's by my side all the time. He's a good man. He's a graduate of Chamala Bible School, and so very thankful to have him uh, by my side. Uh, Previously, over the last two years, I had another gentleman working with me from Shreveport, Louisiana, uh, John Strong, but now he's fulfilled his two-year commitment, and he's back in the United States. And so, now we go back, and it'll be me and Bright. And uh, Bright, if, if I don't accomplish anything else, just working with Bright is a tremendous blessing. It will influence the country of Tanzania, just strengthening this man. He is so evangelistic. He has a zeal for the Lord. And over the last two years, I've seen a tremendous, tremendous growth in Bright Makaboko. And that is uh, just a blessing. We've been, I've been providing him a lot of different materials, uh, materials in print. He had been taught uh, false doctrine on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And so we got into a discussion, and this was very early on, and we started into a discussion, and I said, I'll tell you what, have you heard of Andrew Conley? Well, yes, of course, because Andrew Conley was one of the first missionaries to come to Tanzania. He's the one that started the Chamala Hospital and the Bible School, and now in Tanzania we have the Andrew Conley School of Preaching in Arusha, Tanzania. And so, of course, uh, he knows this is one of the missionaries that came over in the very beginning. That's a name that's very familiar to the brethren that are in Tanzania. I said, well, I want to give you a, a, a debate book. You need to read it. <laughs> it's the uh, debate book between Andrew Conley and, I believe, Olin Hicks. I said, I want, you to, I want you to read this. And so he digested that book, and now he absolutely knows the truth. And he, he couldn't believe what he had been taught in the past and some of the things that he had believed. And so it is just a blessing to be able to influence and have an opportunity to work with someone to strengthen them. I've been providing him polishing the pulpit uh, audio lessons. And uh, I'll tell you what, he is digesting those. He has those on his cell phone. And so just about everywhere we go, he's listening to someone uh, that is speaking, polishing the pulpit. Matter of fact, I was at his place the other day before coming on furlough. And he was listening to someone in the background. I said, I think that's Brother Jeff Archie. And he said, no, that's Dan Winkler. I said, I think that's Brother Jeff Archie. He said, no, that's Dan Winkler. I kept listening. Sure enough, he was right. <laughs> he knows the brethren's voice better than I do. <laughs> I mean, he is just digesting it. So uh, one one big part of the work is to try to strengthen and influence someone that will continue to be there and to make a tremendous impact. And this man, he will. And so that is a big part of the work. We uh, work in church planting. We have a new congregation. It is the Umtwe Villa Church of Christ. And here is a picture of the new land that they have purchased and now uh, they have erected a building, and this is where we worship. And so we're, we're specifically working with this congregation because it is a new congregational church plant. And so all of the individuals that are a part of this congregation are mostly new Christians. And so we're trying to work with them and strengthen them. And this is the building that we worship in. You can see there's no ridge cap, which presents a little bit of a, an issue when it, when it rains during the rainy season for three or four months. Uh, from January to April, it's raining cats and dogs. You know, when I say that there, they're looking for cats and dogs falling from the sky. So when, it, when it's really raining, they don't complain. You know, it'll start dripping in the middle of the building and they'll just scoot over to one side. There's no, no problem. It doesn't bother them. And so this is where we worship currently. Also, we have an outhouse. That's a great blessing. For the first year, we did not have one. And so you go to worship and there was nowhere to go. And so you'd have to turn around and walk all the way back home because we would walk to worship. And that was a bit of a problem. But now, you know, I mean, you can look at it in two different ways. It is a blessing, especially during the rainy season, because if you have to go, you get a free shower, too. So there's no roof on the the outhouse. Uh, And it it cleans itself. It's self-cleaning during the rainy season as well. Uh, This is what it looks like on the inside. You can see the benches that we sit on on a regular basis. Our services go for about four hours. And uh, there's no back on the pew. There's no cushion. So you sit on that little slat of wood for four hours. It takes a little bit of adjusting, but this is, uh, this is what is normal in Tanzania. And, of course, the brethren are very thankful for what they have, thankful for the, the building. They're excited uh, that they have it, and they're trying to evangelize and reach out to the community. And so here's another picture of the congregation. It continues to grow as God provides that increase. The Bible tells us to go and sow the seed. And so we're out broadcasting and sowing the seed, and sometimes we find ourselves watering. But ultimately, it is God that brings the increase. And so all the glory belongs to him. We've had a lot of different seminars to try to reach brethren and to try to teach those that are Christians and strengthen them. But at the same time, we have different seminars to try to teach those that are lost. And so we use different ways uh, to try to teach. In this particular seminar that you see above you, we use the local library in town. And the reason for that is that there's electricity and it's in between two congregations. There's a congregation that is down the mountain, about 1,500 feet down the mountain. And if I were to drive from one congregation to the other, it would take about 20, 25 minutes to get from one congregation to another. And that's driving. And yet it's really not that far apart when you look at the mileage, but it's the fact that you have to go down the mountain. And so we use the library, which is in the center of town, and the other congregations are outside of town, on in each side of it, And so they have electricity there. And so neither one of the congregations have electricity or running water, for that matter. And so we utilize the public library, and we invite a lot of people in. This particular seminar, uh, we were teaching on Jesus being the Christ. And our flyer said, uh, did Jesus really live? Did he die? Did he rise from the grave? Come find out. (laughs) Some people didn't like that advertisement because we didn't say. We just asked a question, and it was an open question. And where the people were supposed to answer, we wanted them to come and, and to see and to be able to hear the word of God. And so we had several Muslims come to the seminar and they continued each night of the seminar. They were a little frustrated at first when we started teaching that Jesus was the Christ, that he did die on the cross and, and using all different sources to show this. But uh, we did have an opportunity to teach those Muslims as they were a part of this seminar. And so we, we use seminars in a lot of different ways. Here was a youth seminar. And this was a really big deal in Oringa, or in Tanzania for that matter, because the mentality is that it's not important to teach women or children, especially the children. They find no value in that. Uh, they just, well, they can't obey the gospel, they're not old enough, we're not going to teach them. When they get old enough to be able to know, then we'll begin teaching them. Well, it, it, it's really hard to teach someone that should, is in their 20s who should know the Bible, who should have a foundation. They don't have any foundation, really. It's very weak if they have one. And then you have to go back to the very, very, very first principles to be able to build up. And so with teaching the youth, it's so, so important, and we believe in it a lot. And so we had a youth seminar, and it was a great success. We had a lot of the youth come, and so we were very thankful for that. Here's another seminar that we had at the beginning of the year, and it was on head covering, on First Corinthians chapter 11. There had been previous teaching, uh, false teaching, where they were binding the covering, telling those women that they must cover, and if they did not, they were sinning. And so we had to clear this up, because that is not the case. It is the case, if you feel like your conscience demands you to cover, go ahead, that's fine. And that's what we told the ladies. Continue to cover if you feel like you should, but you don't have a right to tell your neighbor that they're sinning and going to hell because they're not covering. Now that's a different thing. And so if you feel like you should, that's perfectly fine. But when you go around and start telling everyone that they must, then that's a different issue altogether. And so we had a very, very good seminar and had an opportunity to clear this up. In May, we had a conflict resolution seminar, which was very, very beneficial. Uh, What we find in the church many times, when conflict arises or there's problems in the church, brethren deal with it how they want to deal with it, and they don't deal with it scripturally. And that's a problem. (laughs) And so... When someone has uh, trespassed against you or sinned against you personally, how do you deal with that? Well, we, we went to the scriptures and we, would, we were able to identify that. What about if there's a false teacher? How do you deal with that individual? Well, we studied that. Uh, what about if there is just sin in a congregation? Well, the Bible says you which are spiritual, go to that individual. And so how do you deal with those things? Well, that's what the seminar was about. And I believe it's very, very good ...for the body of Christ to study this in advance before problems arise... ...so that they already know how to biblically deal with those things when they do come up. And so also we had a a Bible Correspondence Seminar. Bible Correspondence Course Seminar. We had several individuals that were not Christians going through the Bible Correspondence Course. And that was great. And a lot of them had completed it, so we wanted them to come in to one place... ...so that we could give them further teaching. And so we had this seminar, and we had a lot of people attend the seminar... Those that completed the course received a Bible. And the lady that is up here in the green, she's a Muslim. And she completed the Bible correspondence course. And she received a Bible. And she hasn't obeyed the gospel. But again, that's not our job, to go out and force people to obey the gospel. Our job is to go out and teach the word, to preach the word, and to share with people the gospel. They have to decide to become a disciple. We're just trying to give them an opportunity. And so we had opportunity to teach her. She has the information. If she's interested, Lord willing, we have her contact. We'll be able to continue to keep that contact. We, don't, we do not pur- purposely go out and try to target Muslims to convert them. If we did, we wouldn't be in the country in the first place. They wouldn't allow us to be there. They would kick us out of the country if that was our target. However, as we're going door to door, or we, we come in contact with Muslims. If they want to study, then they can study. We're not forcing them. They're interested. We'll ask if they would like to study the Bible. And many times they say, Sure. And, and then we have an opportunity to teach them. But we're not trying to go out and just target them because we'd be, we would be kicked out of the country and we would cause a lot of problems for the other works that are currently going in the country. And so we've also been working in translation of Bible materials. We're thankful for the opportunity to do so. Here's one of the books that we've translated and we've, we've had the uh, opportunity to print and distribute. It is uh, Elders Which Are Among You by Bobby Duncan. And so it is a very good book, very simple. And so what we find in tanzania is that there is only one eldership in all of the country the whole country to my knowledge there's only one and uh what we would like to see is more elderships coming up in indiv- from individual congregations and it takes uh some maturing some studying to be able to do so and so we felt like they needed some sort of material to be able to help them as they go through the bible as well that it would be beneficial to them and so we have this printed up the gentleman that is Let me see if I can put my laser on it. This gentleman here, he's one of the oldest Christians in Tanzania, and he called me, he can speak English, he called me and said, I hear that you have some materials on elders. I said, we sure do. And he said, well, we would love to have some of those books. And so I got in the car and traveled six hours to go and deliver these materials to him. And he was really, really excited. And so one of the books that I have that I gave to him was this one. This is Ascertaining Bible Authority by Roy C. Deaver. And so I had an opportunity to take both of these materials to him and deliver those. And when I did, he saw the book and he said, oh, Roy C. Deaver, I know him. He said, "Uh, where's he preaching now? I said, well, brother, he's already gone on to his reward, (laughs) you know. But he didn't know. He actually had met uh, Brother Deaver uh, along with Andrew Conley. He worked with many of the missionaries a long, long time ago. And so it was a great blessing to be able to help him. And what he told me is that they were planning on appointing elders in that congregation. And that they were wanting to go through the materials and wanting to study the topic before appointing elders. Well, that's huge because there's only one eldership that'll make two. And so we're moving in the right direction as we see the works that are taking place. Here's another Bible correspondence course that we have. It is uh, the Church of the Bible by J.C. Choate. J.C. Choate was a long-time missionary to India. And so we found this material to be very useful uh, for me. I don't see the need to duplicate, duplicate and rework material if there's good material. And so we just get permission from different individuals, and they give us permission to translate, and then we, we, we begin that process to translate those materials. And so here we have this, and we're utilizing this. Lord willing, we'll have this in book form and distributed all over the country uh, when we t- return to Tanzania. And also we have the equipping of the young people, and uh, it is the Engraving Heavenly Truths. We use the cards, and I I believe you just had a seminar on that. And so we have translated all of the engraving heavenly truths by permission, uh, all 16 quarters. And so we have the materials. uh, I believe we have one year of the materials in Tanzania, and then the other three just came and arrived uh, right after. I think it was the day after I left. I got on the airplane. They all arrived and cleared uh, customs. And so we're very thankful for that. We have all the materials and and the young people are just eating the material up. But again, they don't believe in educating the youth. So it's taken us about a year to try to get them to start using it. We could not just come right in and they would start using it. They had to slowly be introduced to the idea and to be educated to see the need for teaching and educating the young people. And then we introduced the cards and they did not know what to think about it. They've never seen anything like it. And so it even took some time for it. I had to just teach it. I had to stand up and start teaching it to let them see what it was like. And now they're doing it on their own. And so it is really, really effective. We're very, very thankful for it. Uh, the older people, they didn't believe in it. They did not think that these young children could ever grasp or regurgitate any of the information whatsoever. And then they saw these little girl, this little girl, Rebecca. I don't know how many years old she is. She's little bitty, and she was up there, and she would raise that hand up there, and she would just yell it out, yell out the answers, you know. And uh, the older people that hadn't been studying the cards or really hadn't been trying, boy, they, they couldn't believe it. They said, well, I'm going to have to start studying this. I'm looking bad, you know, because these little youngsters are answering all these cards, you know. But uh, it was a great blessing. We're very thankful for that. I have been trying to distribute them all over the country. And so I have people visit me from Arusha, which is 14 hours to the north, and some of the local brethren, some of the local evangelists, I gave them a set of the cards to try first, just one set, to see if they could go through it, and I gave them a couple of different quarters of the material. And so they're going to go back and try that in their local congregations, and if they need more, then I can provide that. And so I've sent it down to Chamala, to Umbeya, to Kiela, all over the country, to Dar es Salaam. We're sending it the materials, hours in every direction, And so it's having a tremendous influence in the country. And also I've had opportunity to try to equip young men by teaching in the Andrew Conley School of Preaching. Again, that's 14 hours to the north of us, but I travel up there at least once a year to be able to teach in the school. And so very thankful for the school and the work that they're doing as well. We try to come up with an idea to use technology in Tanzania to be able to spread the gospel, especially to strengthen those that are already Christians. We didn't feel like we could use it really to to try to teach those that were non-Christians because they would feel like they're getting something and they would just come to try to get technology. However, for those that are already Christians, they've already counted the cost. They've already paid the price, if you will, to to sacrifice and to make the change in their life to repent and to follow Christ. So providing this just allows them the opportunity to be strengthened. And so what we did was we provided uh, audio-visual kits. We created just a basic audio-visual kit. Here's the the container that we use. It's a Pelican box that's waterproof and dustproof. And inside it, we have a speaker and a solar battery. And that solar battery, as you can see, also there's a tablet that is here. I think you can see on the table. And then as well, a a foldable solar panel. So there's a foldable solar panel. There's a little tablet. And on that tablet, we've put all sorts of Bible materials on it. Uh, World Video Bible School has recorded 87 lessons in Swahili. And so I purchased those from World, uh, World Video Bible School and by permission converted those onto the tablet. So we have all that information from the book of Acts to Genesis to homiletics and hermeneutics, lots of different Bible materials on there. And these are in-depth lessons. And so the Christians are able to take these kits and utilize them in their homes. Now, every place that these kits have gone, there's no electricity. And so they have to have the solar panel to be able to charge the the electronics, and to be able to utilize this. But, for example, you have Christopher, and this is Christopher. He's the preacher at Umtuvilla. Well, he works during the day building homes, but at night he can come in and he can study whatever book he chooses so that he can grow in the Word. And uh, he would love to go to preaching school, but he has four children, and he has a lot of obligations, and he's older. And he said, I tell you what, I will study here. Let's prepare the young men, and we'll send them to the preaching school. And so he's willing to do that, and we're very thankful for that. Here's another one of the kits in a, a new congregation. It's in the Kilolo village. And so as the co- congregation was starting out, you just had two, two Christians. And so those two Christians would set up that kit, especially on Sundays, so that they could have Bible class because these are brand-new Christians. So they would set that up, and then they would have a young, we would send a young man, a young evangelist to work with that congregation. And so he would go down there and try to lead singing and lead the prayers and do some teaching. But this also provided them an opportunity to grow on their own. And so it's very, very positive in the work as we see the Lord working, using this technology to spread his word. And so here's their home. You can kind of get an idea. And this is during the rainy season, so you can see the rain just pouring down. That's why we had to have the waterproof cases, (laughs) because the electronics would just be ruined if you didn't have that. And so here's another young man. He's going to be going to preaching school. His name is Dale. He uh, builds cabinets and a lot of different things. He's a woodworker, but he's planning on going to preaching school. He's going to be going in about two years. So he's making preparations over the next two years so that he can go and attend the Andrew Conley School of Preaching. And so we're very thankful for that. And that's very exciting as all of these young Christians were identifying and finding young men and then being able to send them so that they can be trained and then go out to these new congregations. Places where they can be useful and can assist the body of Christ. Here is another picture of Hezron and his family with a kit. Now, Hezron lives in Elula. Elula is about an hour and a half from us, an hour and a half drive. And so we travel out there to work with a congregation of about six members. And so he is a member there in Elula. And so you can see his family. He has one of the kids. Now, this man, Hezron... He would come to class on Thursdays. He'd get on his bicycle and he would ride 10 miles one direction to come to class. And it's in the mountains. It's up and down. And then he would turn around and it would be about, as the sun's going down, it right about at dark, at dusk and dark. He would turn around and ride his bicycle 10 miles back the other direction. And then he would turn around and do it again on Sunday. So we'd do it twice a week. And uh, that's, the, that's, that's dedication. Uh, that's a commitment to the Lord that's being fulfilled. That's someone that says, I've counted the cost, and I'm willing to do what it takes to worship my Lord. And so it would be easy for him to stay in his home, but he he continues to drive, I mean drive. He rides his bicycle to worship, and so we know someone like that is going to utilize this technology. He's going to soak it in like a sponge because he's dedicated, and so we're very thankful for that. This is Abonel. He's a new Christian, and he also has one of the kits. I'm hoping, Lord willing, to continue to study with his wife so that she'll obey and then possibly he'll also be able to be, be able to study in one of the preaching schools so that at least he can have the education. And so he will go and to be able to work with one of the congregations in Iringa or even out in another location. This is Lou Sossi. He's the song leader at the Ipagola congregation. And I've seen a tremendous, tremendous growth in this gentleman from the, the time that we arrived until now. When we get into one of these men's meetings and we're all sitting together talking about how to plan the work in Iringa and to try to plan seminars and events or to to deal with a false teacher, this gentleman, he begins to quote scripture. And before, he wasn't doing any of that. I can tell he's just been absorbing this material. And he is giving an explanation, and then he'll give a scripture. Whereas the other men, they just give an explanation. They never want to give any scriptures. And so he has grown, and I know it's because he has one of those kits. He's been utilizing the technology to be able to grow and to study, and we're very thankful for that. As far as outreach, we have uh, public preaching. Uh, For us, we find that it's not the most effective. It's effective, but it's not the most effective. For us, one-on-one personal Bible studies and small group studies is very effective because we have individuals opening up their own Bibles. They're actually reading the passages, and that's very effective for producing faith. And so for this particular instance, we have the public preaching. We're trying to really reach the Muslims because we have loud, loud, loud speakers that can be Heard for miles away, and so when we're standing up and we're preaching, they're not there. They're in their homes, but they're listening, and so this gives them an opportunity to hear the gospel without at at first without receiving any persecution because they're not physically having to come there and sit and listen. They can stay in their homes. They can hear the gospel of Christ, and so that faith can be produced, so that then they can count the cost later in their life. And so we we provide that service, if you will. But we also have a, a brand new audio-visual kit that is all fits in a backpack. It's completely solar-powered. So that if we want to go out to one of the villages where there's no electricity at all, then we have this, and we can set it up, and it has two microphones. It has a, a little mixer board. It has a little projector. And so this is a picture where you can see out in the village where we've set up the screen. There's two videos that we play frequently when we go out, and they are both by World Video Bible School. It's why are there so many churches, and what must I do to be saved? I believe in the, in the U.S., the, the version in English, I think, is Brother Don Blackwell. And so we utilize, this is in Kiswahili. This is local brethren that's preaching the lessons. It's been recorded, and so we project that up there and allow those lessons to play. And then after it's over, then we, we receive those questions. We'll be sitting there for about two hours, usually, as the questions, they just start firing the questions, and we providing the, we're providing we providing the answers. And uh, it's very, very effective for making contacts, for spreading the gospel message out, and giving them an opportunity to hear the message. And so here's another picture of uh, when we travel out to the different villages. It's pretty amazing when we're out there, because once we turn off the lights, it's just completely dark. Uh, there may be a candle or two in some of the small stores, but... It's just dark, just completely dark as we're out there because there's no electricity for miles and miles around. We have opportunity to teach the children. Uh, Here's our Bible class, um, and you can see it's just under a big mango tree. We just put down some mats, some sheets, and the children all gather around underneath the tree, and they have Bible class. We also had our first vacation Bible school, if you will. It was just a one-day VBS to try to test out and to see what kind of a reception we would get. Well, we had a very, very good reception. Uh, We had a lot of children. And I'm thankful that we prepared for 100 because it was really close to that. We had a lot of children. And they came and and we had an opportunity to teach them. And what we really were trying to teach them is about uh, Abraham and then ultimately to try to lead them from Adam to Abraham to Isaac, not to Ishmael lead them to Isaac, and there's a reason for that. And so we're trying to provide that information, especially if we had uh, Muslim children that were there, to give them that opportunity to hear that information and to see what the Bible says about that. And so you can see we had a lot of children. Uh, We've had opportunities to go door to door. We did a lot, a lot of this in 2014 and had a lot of Bible studies. We would go to several doors, and then we would have to stop. And then we would have Bible studies For weeks and weeks at those several doors, a lot of times, in different areas, especially around where we were living in Villa, And so you can see what it looks like in the area. My girls have been able to help. In 2015, we decided to use the radio. And uh, we were using it some in 2014, but especially in 2015. And so that changed the dynamics a little bit. We didn't have to go door to door. The people were contacting us, saying, please come to our village. And so that gave us opportunities to go into different places. And so we have Bible studies. We've been studying with Saidi and uh, several people in the Mangalali village. And we're really thankful for that. And it's due to this man. This man, his name is Cosmos. And we traveled out to study with him. Now, he's not obeyed the gospel. He knows the truth. But uh, he was living in polygamy as a Muslim previously. And then now he has another wife. He's in an unscriptural marriage and he needs to repent. He's just not ready to do it yet. And so we had to do a lot of teaching to get him out of all the the false beliefs that he had believed throughout the years to get him to where he needed to be. And he is there. He just hasn't obeyed yet. But the thing about him that I love is that he is the one that got us into the village in the first place. Without him, we would not be in that village because he went with us as an older man who is extremely respected, well respected. Then we went with him to the chief and he vouched for us with the chief to get into the village. And so we would not be in that village. We would not be able to teach. We would not be using the screen and the projector to teach and to preach publicly with speakers without his vouching for us with the chief. And what we found is that if you go into a village and you're not well known or people do not know you and you don't have anyone to vouch for you and you come in and you start teaching something different, then people will use a very um, it's a very bad word in Tanzania. And it's uh, Freemason. Now to them... It doesn't mean what you think it means. To them it means someone that can put a spell on you. Kind of like you have these magical powers like the witch doctors do. And that you have some foreign cultish belief and that if you don't believe it, then you can put a spell on them. So what happens is if anybody says that, it will shut down an entire village to you. You will not be able to go into one door and teach the gospel of Christ. And we've already had that happen in one place where it's kind of shut us out in an area where we had to go into another area. And so we're learning and finding out that a lot of times people, even if they're in a a denomination and they know this, and they want to hinder you in the spreading of the gospel, they'll just use that. And it kind of shuts down an area for us, and we have to leave it alone for a little while, then we'll go back. And so we're thankful to have people like this in these villages so that we can actually continue to go in there. This man, even though he hasn't obeyed the gospel, he knows what we're teaching is the truth. Bottom line. Now, whether he's willing to obey it or not is a different thing. He knows it's the truth. He's read it for himself, and he's been convinced. He has the faith of the Bible. He's just not willing to obey it yet. And so he is willing to vouch for us all over because he knows that we're teaching what the Bible says, and he's been convinced of that. And so we also teach in Alula, and you can see on a map here, Alula. It's an hour and a half away. So we live in Um Umtuvila, and here's the Um Umtuvilla congregation. Here's the Ipagolo, that's the other congregation that's down the mountain, and there's a tremendous difference here in elevation. And then over here is Elula. And so you can see the distances. Now, Elula, 30 miles, it takes us an hour and a half. And so that kind of gives you an idea of trying to drive around in some of these areas to be able to evangelize. <coughs> here's the, here's the, the church building, the house of worship uh, in Elula. And you can see if you put two more men standing there, that would be the width of the building. It's not very large, but they don't really need a large building. And so we've been working to try to, to teach people in this particular area, in Elula. We have opportunities to study with Muslims, as stated before. It's not something that we target, but they are willing to study, a lot of them. And so we have opportunity to sow the seed. Who knows, someone might come along and, and water, but ultimately God is going to bring the increase. And here is uh, Mtwi Villa. In this particular study, this lady, she was studying and one of her children was over to the side, started to misbehave. She picked up a stick about four foot long that was just laying there. She's reading the Bible. She picks it up and she goes, pop, just hits that kid, sets that stick back down and just keeps on reading. <laughs> I thought, man, that's hilarious. And my children were there. I was like, you better watch that. Did you see that? Don't make me get a stick, you know. <laughs> but uh, you, you never know what it's going to be like, uh, whether a lizard going to run across or a snake or something. <clears throat> Often we have chickens running between our feet and our legs as we're having studies. And uh, that's that's just normal. Baby chicks and birds and all kinds of uh, wildlife. Here's a study that we have uh, going in Kiesa, And this lady here, Elena, she's a New Testament Christian. She's a nurse. And so she invited us into her home. Her husband is not a Christian, but she's as faithful as she can be. And uh, she invites all these people into her home that lives right there around her. They live in one house, if you will. It's one big roof, but it has a courtyard and all these different rooms. So people rent rooms. But they're all sharing one big roof. And so she's inviting all these people that share the roof into her place. And so we're having a study. And thankfully, this young lady right here is a New Testament Christian. Zaituni is a New Testament Christian because of her willingness to invite people into her home and have Bible studies. And brethren, we can do that today. It's very effective to reach out to our neighbors and those that we know and say, hey, come, would you come to my house? I'd love to study the Bible. And then to open up your Bibles and study is going to be very, very effective. Here's Phoebe as well. She has not yet obeyed the gospel. She knows the truth, though. She is in an unscriptural relationship. She is living uh, in adultery. Uh, she is with a gentleman that she's not supposed to be with. And, uh, but for her to count the cost means that she has to sacrifice in her entire financial support, but not just hers, but her family's. That is, her father, her mother, and her grandparents. Because the gentleman that she is committing sin with is providing support for the entire family. So when she obeys the gospel and says, I can no longer have anything to do with you, I have to repent of this situation, and she knows she needs to, when she does that, then she loses complete financial support. So that's why she hasn't done it yet. She wants to, she comes to worship many, many times. She wants to obey the gospel, she's so close, and yet there's a tremendous, tremendous uh, cost to her for obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what we find is that, People are willing to, you know, they're willing to study. People ask me, well, is it more receptive there in Tanzania? Let me put it this way. People are willing to study the Bible. I love it. They'll study for four hours at a time. They'll study all the time. And I can go in and study with them. But people are people. And when you have to call them to repentance and to change their life to live for Christ, many times they're the same as people in the United States. They don't want to change. And so they, they, they say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That's just a little too much, and they're not willing to make that change. We have had people to make a change, but at the same time, we find that people are, are saying, that's too much for me. I cannot make that decision and do it. And so we use the radio. It's been very effective for us. We have radio contacts. We went to this village because of the radio. It's Eco Villa. And so we entered into this village, would have never found it had it not been for the radio. Look, this road. I mean, we drive down that road for about an hour and a half. Then we climb up the mountain 45 minutes by foot. And then we're hoping to find someone there. Many times they're out in the fields scaring monkeys from their crops. And we have to wait for them to return. And then we're able to study. And it's a big family. You have grandmother. You have mother. You have four boys. And you have some uh, daughter-in-laws that are there as well. And so we go in and we have studies with these people. They actually heard... (coughs) They heard the gospel on the radio, and they called and said, Would you please come to our village? We want to hear more. We said, Well, sure. And then when they told us that we realized that was going to be a bit of a journey, we said, That's fine. We're willing to go. And so we traveled up there, and, and we were still studying with them. This is an ongoing Bible study, but if we're able to convert this family, the whole family, think of the difference that it can make. The church will be planted right there in that village where it's never existed before. And then they will begin to evangelize their neighbors because I've seen it in them. And, and they're, they're so inquisitive, especially the young men. And they're asking tremendous questions, very, very, very good questions. And so we're having a, a wonderful opportunity to teach them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, here is grandmother. So we're studying with grandmother and mother. <clears throat> and the grandmother, she was wanting to know about baptism. She had been taught sprinkling. And so we opened up God's word and allowed her to read it for herself. She was amazed. I mean, you could see the light bulb come on, but it was just like the jaw just dropped. And her mouth was open, and she just could not believe what she was reading. Because all these years, she had been told something completely different. And now, for the first time, she was reading it for herself, somewhere that she had never been guided to in the the, the scriptures. And she could see that it was not true, that sprinkling is not baptism. And she hasn't obeyed the gospel yet, but we're sowing that seed, sowing that seed. And so we're, we're praying for this family in the equal village, village that they will obey the gospel. I'll show you very quickly some of the conversions. The Lord has brought the increase. And so you can see a lot of the different baptisms that have taken place over the last two years. And so <clears throat> you can see the smiling faces. We're so thankful for that, especially this gentleman. This is Raphael of Kiela. I mean, he came out of the water just like that. I love that picture. He was so excited that his sins were washed away, that he had new life. And he came out, he was celebrating. He was so excited that he had a new life in Christ. And what we find a lot of times is that people, they come in and out of Aringa. Aringa is a hub city. And so we study with people and then they leave. They go in different directions or go to their home village or go to their where they're going to be working. For this gentleman, he was studying in university in Dodoma. He came down to visit a friend in Oringa. We studied with him. He went back to, to Dodoma, which is six hours to the north of us. He finished his education, and now he is at the foot of Mount Kilimanjaro, almost to Kenya. And he is a school teacher there, but he is a faithful New Testament Christian. And so that's what we find a lot of times is that people are going in all these different directions. You can see uh, it doesn't matter what color the water is or how clean it is to baptize <coughs> um, And you might know what uh, old Naaman felt like. I don't know if I want to go down to the murky River Jordan. Uh, What about the rivers of Banner or Farfar? Rivers of Damascus. I think they're pretty nice. And I think we were thinking the same thing when we went down to baptize this day. Uh, But uh, it doesn't matter. As long as you're fulfilling the command that God has given, the blood of Christ washes away your sins and you come out white as snow, even if it's coming from water such as this. You can see a lot of the different people. For example, Kiela, this lady is from Kiela, and she's gone back to Kiela. Kiela is on the border of Tanzania and Malawi. And so it is a great distance from where we are working. And so a lot of people have gone back, and she is still faithful. Here's Sarah from Mbeya. Mbeya is six hours from us. And so she obeyed the gospel. We studied with her for several months. And now she has gone back to Mbeya and is a faithful Christian. And we're very thankful for that. Makwete, he's from Arusha. 14 hours to the north of us. He came to Oringa to visit family on school break. We studied with him. He obeyed the gospel. And now he's gone to Moragora. He's five hours from us. And so we find these people, a lot of them, they're traveling all over. And yet the body of Christ is growing as a whole. It may not just be growing right there at the congregation, at Umchwe Villa. The numbers are not just taking off, even though there are baptisms. And that's because the people are leaving. (laughs) They're going in all different directions. um, But they're still remaining faithful, and that's what's important. This is Abinell. We studied with him, and it was like in a closet. It was a very small space. And the first few nights we studied with him, we had to use our flat—I mean, uh, our cell phones for a light because we didn't bring a light, and we didn't realize he wasn't going to have any. There was no electricity, and so we had to break out our cell phones, and we're studying for four hours at a time with cell phone light. And yet, again, didn't bother them at all. They were completely fine with it. And uh, so we just continued to study. And finally, I decided to bring a kerosene lantern, which worked out very, very well. And so we baptized him at night, and he's a faithful Christian. He leads singing at Mchuvilla. He leads prayer, and very, very thankful for this. Here's Esther. Esther was involved in witchcraft. I mean, she was going to see the witch doctor. And we had to do a lot of studying with her to get her out of the mentality of thinking that, I need to go to the witch doctor instead of putting my faith and trust in God. And so she was going to the witch doctor for various things, but now she's a New Testament Christian, and that's what's important. This is Edison. He was baptized during the rainy season, so the water was extremely strong. He's a young man. He's very faithful. Here's Semini of Elula. Semini was a big guy. Went to baptize him. We went down to the river in Elula, and there was hardly any water. Just a little trickle, a little stream. And we didn't have enough water to baptize, so we had to get down there and dig in the sand to make a hole. And then we had to make a little dam so the water wouldn't pass by, so that the water could accumulate, so that we could baptize him. And so we did, and we were able to baptize him into Jesus Christ. So you never know what the situation is going to be like when you go down to the water, if you're going to have enough in some of the places that we go to. But we're thankful to be able to have an opportunity to work with the brethren there and to teach them. There was Willie. He's a New Testament Christian. Atupai, he's faithful. He's one of the men that's very active in the Umtuvilla congregation. We have Happy and Joyce and Gloria. Joyce and Gloria... Both of these young ladies, they're involved in the early Bible class for young Christians at Umchwe Villa at 8 o'clock in the morning. Our worship is at 9, but they come at 8 o'clock. They walk miles. They're there on time every single time. They're so dedicated, and, and, and I just love that about them. Here's Christina. Christina and also Adina. They are the result of Bible correspondence courses, just giving Bible correspondence courses. We have contact with them. They're, they're working in a little store that's very close to our house. And yet we see them all the time. But it was better to try to give them a Bible correspondence course so that they could go through it on their own time. And they're bored. They're sitting at their little store. And if people are not there, they go through the Bible correspondence course. And they found it interesting. And so for them, it led them to Christ. And uh, it was very, very effective. And we're thankful for this. And here's again is Zaituni that we showed you earlier, being baptized into Christ. As far as needs, uh, we're going around to congregations and reporting to the congregations that support us monthly. But we also give congregations an opportunity to give one time if they would like. And so we're trying to translate and print various materials. Currently, we're working on When is an Example Binding by Thomas B. Warren. By permission, we have that in translation mode. Then it has to go to editing and then printing. We have another uh, book that was written by Teresa Hampton uh, called God's Girls. And so we have that. It's been translated, now it's in editing mode, and then eventually it will go to printing. We also have J.C. Choate's material, the Bible Correspondence Course. It's already been edited, it has to be formatted, reformatted completely to be able to put into a book, then it can go to printing. So we have all of these different materials at different stages of the road, so that we can have them in printing, and so we're very thankful for that, but we're looking for any individuals or congregations that want to give to that work, or to give to homeschool. As we're trying to homeschool the girls, they can give some funds for that as well, so that we can have the funds to be able to buy the materials that they need. If you want to see our neighborhood, I'm just going to give you a few slides just out of curiosity. You're wondering what's it like where you live. Well, here's a few pictures. This is our neighborhood, and this is what it's like just walking down the street in our neighborhood where we live. We do not live in the city. If we lived in the city, our rent would be extremely high, and uh, we live out just among the Tanzanians. All Tanzanians are our neighbors. If we live in the city, then we would have, there's an expat community, and so they would be mostly expats, people that are foreigners from Europe and other places, uh, but we live out with the Tanzanians, but we don't live in a mud hut. This is our house. It's a substantial dwelling, so you can see that. I think a lot of times people, we have electricity, we have running water when it's working. We have running water when the water is functioning. Uh, we have electricity when the electricity is functioning. Um, So you never know when that's going to be. We can go for days or or, uh, long periods of time without either one of them. Uh, Transportation generally is by the Dala Dala. And so this is the Dala Dala. It's like a 15-passenger van that you fit 40 people in. And so you can see what it's like. Here's the girls starting to pile into the Dala Dala, and then, then you can't see them hardly at all. And that wasn't even full. That was just starting to fill up. And my youngest daughter says, well, if you don't have an armpit in your face, you're not riding the dolla dolla." (laughs) dalla. which is true. (laughs) Very much so. You're squeezed in there kind of like this. You got people pushing up against you here and there, and you're all kind of squeezed in there. But that's the general public transportation. Very thankful that they have it. But you never know what you might see. You might see a donkey in the runway. This is our, our airport runway in Iringa. What's life like in Tanzania? It's different. Uh, We see the ladies carrying stuff on their head, but especially the wood and water. They're carrying wood for cooking, uh, to be able to cook, and uh, if it's cold, to be able to heat their home. And they're carrying water, five-gallon buckets of water all the time. They're up, uh, you know, even before the sun comes up, and when the sun's going down, you'll see them carrying back and forth. Young children, women, extremely, extremely hardworking. And so that's something that you see a lot. One of my favorite pictures is this one, and the reason is, because of what it represents. So for for you, you might see poverty. I'm not sure what you see in this picture. For me, I see a young boy who sits who was sitting in this, this one spot for three hours. He was listening to the Bible. He was listening to the Bible study that was ongoing, and he's looking at his grandmother who's reading the Bible. He did not move from that spot for three hours straight as he was soaking in God's Word. And that's why I love that picture, because of what it represents, as we see that there's a lot of people that are wanting to hear the gospel of Christ. As we have opportunity, we go about teaching and preaching God's word. And so here's just a few pictures. As you can see, a lot of the children that are there. Here's a normal kitchen. Uh, A lot of times, they'll just have a pot over three rocks. We had kind of uh, what you call a fellowship meal. We had a work day, and so we wanted to cook some rice. The ladies pull up three rocks, grab a few sticks, and they had a pot, and then we had rice for everybody. It was pretty amazing. Um, And... uh, Here's something again. You see, as uh, see this young kid, he's washing dishes, and that's his kitchen. And so, you know, you might that's the kitchen. That's it. <laughs> Most of the time, it's outside, and they're they're cooking, and it's on the ground, and they're washing. Um, the culture is different. This lady's a Maasai. We have Maasai that we work with, but mostly we work with Hehe, the Hehe tribe. And and the Hehe don't look any different than anybody else. They, they dress just uh, in normal clothes like uh, American style or Western style, but uh, the the Maasai, they still dress traditionally and live traditionally. They're pastoralists. They live off the land. They herd cattle, and uh, so what I love about the Maasai, there's a table in the back that has artifacts from the Maasai. They have a big club that they carry for protection uh, for, you know, the different animals that are out there that could harm them, so they have that that's on the side. They have a big machete, big red machete, and they have that, and they have a belt that holds that up, and then right here, they have a little pouch for their cell phone. Alright? What they're wearing is a big blanket, and they have a belt and sandals. That's it. They have nothing else, no other possessions except for the cows they're herding, and yet they've got a cell phone up there, because they've got to stay connected. you know. Um, but that's the clash of the old culture, old world, with the new culture, and the technology there. Even, even the Maasai are being influenced by technology. And so... Here's a, you know, just an average uh, place of worship. You can kind of see the difference in what it's like in some of those places. The food is different. The white blob that you see in the bowl, that's ugali. Uh, and that is a very common food. They love fish, but, I mean, you've got to have some money. This only comes on a holiday. If you're lucky enough, you get fish. They're not going to eat fish all the time, especially not that big. And so it's a treat to get fish. These ladies, this is a fellowship meal. They're just sitting down on the ground, and they're eating. And you can see this white stuff is ugali. Ugali is taken from corn. They have white corn. It's not the good, sweet, yellow corn that we have. It's white corn that dries on a stalk. Then they beat it down into flour. Then they put it in boiling water and stir it until it makes a big dough ball. And then they take that, and they pinch a, a part of it off and roll it around their hands until it makes a ball. They put their thumb in it and make a little scoop, and they scoop up beans or greens, and then, then they eat it. And so that is the, the staple. And the reason they eat it is because it's so filling. I mean, it makes you swell. You feel so full when you eat the ugali. Because when you're poor and you can't afford to eat a lot, then you're not going to get a lot of meats or other things. You've got to have something that makes you feel full. And so you can eat some beans or greens that give you some... Uh, Nutritional value, and then you have something that really fills you up. This is mandazi, which is kind of like a fried donut. But here's the ugali. We eat it at least once a week in our home with sambusa. And here's the Chinese that they eat most often. This is our open market, and so you can see what it's like when we shop for our produce. This is where we go. It's huge open market. You've got the fish that are out, and the produce, and everything else. And this is where we shop. is a city. It's got pavement, big big buildings. So you can kind of see what it looks like in town. You get outside of the city, there's no electricity. A lot of times there's not, there's not any pavement, and so it's a little bit different. But in Iringa, it is a nice city. And so it's kind of like what it looks like. Here's our local Walmart, yeah, uh, you know, to shop, and some of the little small stores that you see, uh, places. Are there any questions before we close? We've we'll gone through a lot of information. Any questions? That's a good question. We have a hippo, a resident hippo that comes up and down that river that we baptize in. And so we just, he only comes up once a year and it's during the rainy season. He cannot come up any other time. There's not enough water. But he comes up the river and he's looking for a mate, we believe. And then he goes back down the channel. He's looking to see if he can find anybody. And every year he comes up. It's rare to spot him, but I did see him. I have pictures of him coming up the river. So we, you know, we're just cautious during the rainy season. Uh, the crocs are further up the river, closer to the dam, which is a good distance away. They have about 50 people killed a year by those crocs. So, uh, but we haven't seen any down the river, and we hope we don't. <laughs> you know, you go in by faith. By faith, <laughs> you obey. And it takes a lot of faith to go in those waters. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, Yeah, the currency, we have uh, a 2,000 note shilling. The shilling is the currency. 2,000 would be about a dollar. It's shifted quite a bit. It was about 1,550 when I started. Now it's at 2,000. It went up to 2,200. But about a $2,000 note is like $1. So it kind of gives you an idea of the currency and what we use. The highest note you can get is a 10,000 bill. That's as high as it gets. There's, There's nothing any higher. So it's like carrying around a bunch of $5 bills, you know. <clears throat> Any other questions before we close? If not, we'll say a word of prayers. We close. Our dear heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this beautiful day that you've given us this opportunity to be together as brothers and sisters in Christ, to be able to come together and lift our voices in praise into you and to study your Word, to hear about the work that's being done, to see the power of your gospel working in souls all over the world. We're just amazed at the power of your word and how it can penetrate a heart and change a life. And Lord, we pray that we as Christians can have courage to be able to go out and to teach our neighbors and those that are around us so that everywhere we go, that we can be the shining light of the gospel, that we can use our words to share the gospel with others so that they may know the truth. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus and what he means to us and his willingness to give his life on the cross so that we might have eternal life. Lord, help us not to take that for granted but to live our entire life dedicated to following Christ and to living for you. Lord, please forgive us of any wrongs that we may have. Help us always to serve you daily. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.